Canada is a land, land of many languages, some of which, though, through time and over time have been lost. But that doesn't mean the work isn't being done to try to revive some of them. And that is a very challenging task. Now, this happens all over the world, but there's a lot of work being done right here uh, that we are going to talk about right now. So John Paul Chalikoff joins us, Assistant Professor in Anishinaabe Studies at Algoma University. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So how how does one even start when it comes to trying to revive a language? Uh, Well, there's different different languages are in different states and different places. Like the Anishinaabe one is still one of the healthier ones. And uh, so a lot of what's going on that I'm trying to do is kind of preserve uh, some segments or pieces of a specific dialect of the language, which is... uh, a little bit trickier, and and when uh, starting that, really is just finding people and resources, and uh, a lot of it's gathering little terms that my own family have passed down from my grandmother and great grandfather that shared with them, and uh, going to the community and uh, gathering whatever I can from uh, the speakers that still uh, remember pieces of it and that kind of thing. Well, tell me about that dialect then that you're trying to save. Yeah, so my, uh, my, I'm part of, I'm a member of Michipacan First Nation, a little Ojibwe community on the northeastern shore of Lake Superior. Uh, so the whole northern part of Lake Superior area, like the dialect, their dialects around there didn't really get well uh, documented over the years. So there's not a, not a lot of language data or not a lot of uh, uh, documented uh, pieces of like the variations around there. So uh, a lot of it's just been uh, kind of comparing and contrasting to how I hear other like neighboring communities and then uh, just trying to piece together how sounds are similar and uh, catching those little differences and uh, all those kinds of things. So it's uh, really just working with what we have available at the moment. Yeah, what is that that's available to you at the moment? Because that must be really hard asking people to, we need to write this down, we need to get this documented. Yeah, uh, so there's there's about, uh, I'd estimate about under 10 speakers in the area. 10? uh, Yeah, it's uh, just as like the dialect specifically, because the language as a whole, it's like a healthier state, but there's not uh, not a whole lot. Uh, so I've been working with whenever I go. So I live in Sault Ste. Marie, which is about two and a half hours east of uh, Walla, Michigan. Walla is a little town, and then Michigan is the reserve out that way. And whenever I take it back out that way, I'll usually work, or one of the elders will usually uh, share little things. So. Uh, usually, it's trying to be uh, like wanting to <laughs> gather as much as we're able to, but also knowing like uh, uh, it's it's uh, it could be draining work for the the elders too. They're uh, trying to uh, remember the words on the spot and those kinds of things. So it's really just uh, working at the pace that works for them. Uh, whenever having uh, whenever we have time to catch up to, uh, with each other. John Paul, is it is it made easier by the fact that this is work that is kind of more commonly done now? That there's that seems to be more important, more significant now to save these languages. 
I think there's definitely a lot more like shared knowledge about how to document and how to revitalize and how to revive and all all these different a lot of languages are in these different states, right? Uh, uh, and all on the West Coast, with a lot of the languages out that way, they're uh, much much smaller speaker bases, so they they have a uh, they have a little more fire under to to really work to keep the languages going uh, out this way. Like Anishinaabe is one of the one of the healthiest, uh, but like. When looking at it from a specific dialect aspect, like I understand some of that pressure too uh, of trying to gather uh, different pieces, but knowing and seeing different stories and uh, uh, what different communities are doing in different places and seeing those different success stories are, I think, are really helpful and encouraging for uh, revitalizing our languages. What do you do with this information that you collect? What's going to happen to it? Well, I, I, well, I really want to make sure it's uh, shared at community level and collaborating with uh, uh, with and and making sure that it's available and shared. And then also, uh, I'm hoping to uh, share it with uh, again all all uh, all making sure that the community direct how they want it to go forward as well so like there's that, that collaborative element of working with the community but the, at the end of the day a lot of it's really making sure that it's accessible to all the community and uh some of it's just making sure that some of the local like local ways to say things make it into the schools and uh some of those kinds of things are the early goals right now to gather what you can and just right uh yeah Well, it's fascinating work. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks thanks for telling us about it. That's John Paul Chalikoff, who's an assistant professor in Ashinanabe Studies at Algoma University, talking about reviving languages that as few as 10 people speak and making sure that they are preserved.